All right, for the next eight weeks, we're going to be going through the Chosen series. Raise your hand if you've seen any episode of The Chosen. All right, fantastic. So I um, want to just uh, kind of set the stage a little bit uh, before we venture into that. So we haven't yet talked about this series. And before, you know, you, you kind of wonder why in the world is a church talking about a TV show? Well, this is what we do. After we're done with this, we're going to spend eight weeks on um, Seinfeld. It'll be really <laughs> eye-opening. Um, no, this is a, this is a different uh, situation. This is the first time that the story of Jesus has been told in the TV series format. Um, and and so, so much can be unpacked uh, through this engagement. And um, as is the case in so many other facets in our lives, we can all attest to different ways, um, mediums that, that have been uh, beneficial for us and have inspired us to find and to follow Jesus. And this is just another one of those avenues. Um, this series is, um, as I mentioned, uh, I'm going to share a little bit more in regards to some details and facts that will help us engage a little bit more with what we're going to be uh, tackling here. But this series, um, it is a, uh, it, it's an impactful and I think important experience, but I need to say this and preface our time together, not only today, but for the next eight weeks, it is not the Word of God. And that is so important for us to be able to say here in this time because our, our plan and, and really our process over these next eight weeks is to use that show as a springboard to the ultimate truth that is only found in God's word. Meaning that uh, this show takes um, some, you know, um, uh, um, imagining liberties, you know, as some of the stories. It reads between the lines. It doesn't contradict Scripture, but it kind of fills in some blanks. Uh, so, for instance, today uh, we're going to be looking at specifically two people um, in the Gospels, and uh, these two people are mentioned kind of just briefly in the Gospels, but they're fleshed out as real uh, characters in this show. Um, and, and so, one of the things I want to encourage all of us to do over these next eight weeks is to read through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it won't take you long, I promise. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to read through the Gospels, to um, either orientate yourself for the first time or maybe reorientate yourself as to the message of the Gospels that we find in Scripture. Um, and then allow this series, this show, to inspire you, to springboard you into ultimate truth. Um, so with that being said, one of the things that I want to do before we get going into some of these details is to uh, read a disclaimer that uh, the chosen creators have um, put together themselves. So if you go to the chosen website, which I encourage that you, that you do and kind of peruse a little bit, by the way... We have a study guide to help you through this process um, for, over the next eight weeks. There are eight episodes in season one. So there's two seasons out so far. The third season they're raising funds for and, and working on. Um, but season one, eight episodes, we have eight weeks. Um, there's a study guide that we've provided. So there's physical copies that are at the information desk as you leave. You can grab one of those. Or you can go to our website. You go to our website, and there's a page for the chosen. You can connect to that page and download the digital uh, version of the study guide and engage with it that way. 
Um, but uh, that's going to be a great resource as we go through this. But this disclaimer here is, is listed on uh, the Chosen website, and this is what it, what it reads. The Chosen is based on the true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Some locations and timelines have been combined and condensed. Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical context and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the scriptures. Viewers are encouraged to read the Gospels. The original names, locations, and phrases have been transliterated into English for anything spoken. So a few details before we jump into uh, today, the first episode. Um, a, a few details I want to just touch on. First is that uh, this, this whole series was created by Dallas Jenkins. Dallas Jenkins is the son of uh, Jerry Jenkins, who wrote the Left Behind series. And uh, Dallas has also filmed uh, some other and directed some other uh, um, movies, uh, too. You can see that information in IMDb. This is the first, as I mentioned, ever multi-season show about Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. And then this is the number one crowdfunded campaign of all time. It raised $10 million for season one from 19,000 investors. That's, in, that's impressive. Um, and it's been translated into over 50 languages and then counting, and then it's completely free to watch. In fact, if you go to the study guide or if you pick one up at the information desk, we provide information about how to access the, um, the, the series. You can access it for free either through the app, the website, or you could purchase the DVDs online. Um, and then lastly, the vision for the series, if you go to the website, you'll see this. The vision for the series is that it is to be seen by one billion people in every country in the world. So this first episode, episode one, I have called you by name. Uh, there are five individuals that largely this episode kind of focuses on. Actually, Jesus only shows up at the very end. But those five individuals, the first is Mary Magdalene. Now, that name is probably familiar to some of you. Mary Magdalene, uh, she's only mentioned actually a few times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, she's mentioned in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus heals her from demon possessions. She's possessed by seven demons. Um, and then she's also talked about at Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. So presumably, scholars believe that she was a, a follower, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Um, thus, she was there at the crucifixion because even most of his disciples weren't even present at that time. Um, and then um, uh, another individual that, that they focus on in this episode is Matthew. Now, Matthew sounds familiar to a lot of you as well. Matthew um, was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was also a tax collector. The reason that, why that's important is because he's a Jewish tax collector, meaning he was taking money from other Jews and giving him to the Romans. And the Romans were occupying the land. And so this was the lowest of the low, all right? The lowest of the low. I got to do it. It was kind of synonymous with like a Green Bay Packer fan. You know, it was just, it was, 
Did I say that? Did I say that? Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. I don't even believe that. Why do I even say stuff like that? Green Bay Packer fans are awesome. Raise your hand if you're a Green Bay Packer fan. Be proud. Be proud. All right. We got to talk afterwards. All right. Um, so Ma- uh, Matthew was a tax collector and hated by other Jews. Another person that we're going to look at is Simon, who would later be called Peter. You remember Peter? And uh, Peter also um, had a brother named Andrew who became a disciple too. And uh, then a last uh, individual that this episode focuses on is Nicodemus. Nicodemus also is only mentioned a couple times, most notably in John chapter 3. Actually, the most famous passage in the Bible was Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then Nicodemus is also mentioned at Jesus' crucifixion. Um, He helps with the body. Uh, So presumably that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John 3 had an eternal impact on Nicodemus's life. So what this episode does primarily then is it takes some of these basic truths and then it kind of fills in some blanks, reads between the lines a little bit, expands on who these people could have been that actually walked with Jesus. And so for the sake of our time here today, I'm just going to spend a few moments Uh, cataloging some of the important tidbits from the episode. (laughs) This is not going to be a synopsis. I'm not going to break down a lot of the details of the episode. You can go to Wikipedia for that information. I'm just going to look at the pertinent stuff, take a few moments and do that, kind of set the stage, and then as I mentioned, using it as a springboard to then dive into what God's Word leads us to understand. Uh, So, the episode, episode one, uh, I've called you by name, it starts actually with a flashback. And, and by the way, if you haven't seen the episode yet, that's fine. Um, I would encourage you as we go through these eight weeks that you watch the episode prior to our time together. I think you would get more out of it, but you don't have to do it that way. You can also binge watch it. Each episode, I think, is around maybe on average 40 minutes. Um, So you can easily get in a few episodes um, uh, when you have time. Anyways, uh, so it starts with a flashback in 2 B.C., 2 B.C. So around about 28, 30 years before Jesus starts his ministry. And the episode starts with a flashback of Mary Magdalene as a young child with her father. And Mary is expressing her fear, and her father then tells her that when you're afraid, you need to remember what the law tells us in Isaiah 43. Now, when I say the law, uh, I'm saying that because at that time, the Bible that we know today wasn't what it is for us, in that the New Testament didn't even exist yet, right? The Old Testament was their Bible, essentially. They called it the law. And um, in this scene, the father is saying, when you're afraid, remember Isaiah 43.1. And this is the passage that he recites to his daughter. You can look at this on the screen. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, 
for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. So then the episode immediately goes into present day, which was 28 years later, and we find now Mary Magdalene, and she goes by a different name. We'll get into that here in just a minute, but her name now that she goes by is Lilith, or Lily, some people call her. And she is just completely oppressed. She's in, in great distress. She not only is alone and isolated, but she's shunned by all the other people. She's assaulted at every turn, and she's possessed. She's possessed by, by demonic forces. And it causes her it, it to, uh, to do things that she wouldn't normally do. And she's just completely afflicted by this. That's her reality. And in the midst of this reality, the Roman officials, they want nothing to do with, with, with uh, what they viewed to be as just animals. They saw the Jews, and this is historically true, the Romans saw the Jews as animals. They just as worthless. And, and so they wanted nothing to do with them other than to suppress them, to rule over them. But if there was any conflict, they would gladly allow the the, uh, the, the Jewish kind of infrastructure to take care of it. So in this episode, the Roman officials go to Nicodemus. That's the other person that we talked about. Nicodemus in this episode is portrayed as a high-ranking Pharisee. And the Pharisees, by the way, if you don't know, are like the Darth Vader of the Bible or the New Testament. And uh, they were all about the law, and Jesus was all about grace and love. And, um, and, and so Nicodemus was a part of this pharisaical uh, sect, and he's approached by the Roman authorities. Again, this is all in the episode. This, you're not going to find these things in Scripture, but it sets the stage. They make him go to Mary, Lilith, to um, exercise the demons from here. So he goes, reluctantly, but goes, and he fails miserably. If you've seen the episode, you know that, that Lilith in that attempt in a demonic voice says, we are not afraid of you, holy man. There's nothing you can do. So he leaves um, despondent, afraid, um, uh, just completely uh, thwarted by this reality Believing then, and this is a quote from him in the episode, only God himself could have driven out the demons. So later in the episode, Lilith wakes up and finds herself um, alone and, and despondent. And um, so she goes to this local bar establishment because the only thing that she has found to help in her distress is to drink and to numb her senses. And uh, even that's not working. And so she decides that the only thing she can do is to kill herself. So she goes to a cliff, ready to jump off the cliff, and a bird shows, uh, shows up and distracts her. She finds it curious, and she ends up following the bird, and it takes her back to that bar that she was at earlier. And this is what happens. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm saying. Please. 
said leave me. That's not for you. Don't touch me. Oh. Lily. Lily, Lily, are you okay? I... No, you have to go. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You first time that I saw that episode and, and going through the episode, I, I, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm digging this. I, you know, production value is good. I mean, it's such a nerd thing to say, but you know, uh, acting's good. And, but when we get to that scene, I was bawling like a baby. And even now, um, as I, I wasn't even watching it and just listening to it, and I can't help but but get teary-eyed, and it's not because of the way they do the show, it's because of what he says. You are mine. Let's look at that passage in Isaiah again, Isaiah 43.1. But now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. There are three things in this passage that, that I, I, I want to help us um, really absorb into our hearts and minds here this morning. The first thing is, is that we're created and that we're formed. We're created and we're formed. The second is that we are redeemed. And the third is we're summoned. So we're created, we're formed, we're redeemed, and we're, we're summoned. 
Uh, let's keep that on the screen and, and just kind of break that down a little bit so we really understand what is it that we're talking about here today. So uh, created and formed. Created means that, that we're brought into being. That when once we weren't, now we are. So God has created you and I, but he hasn't just created us, he's then formed us. So he's not only brought us into being, but then he's formed us into who we are. He's molded us like a, like a sculptor, a potter does with clay. We're redeemed you are redeemed. That word redemption is, 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 is so key because it, it means literally to be set free. To, to mean that when once you were enshackled, you were imprisoned, you were immobile, now you are set free, redeemed. And then summon, the word summoned, it, it means to, to bring forward, to bring to you, to, for, for someone or something to beckon you into where they are. So God has created you. He has brought you into being. God has formed you. He's molded and shaped you as a potter would. He has redeemed you. He has set you free. And he summoned you. He is bringing you into his presence. And so these are the three truths that we now have between God and you. The first is that he created and formed you, which is ownership. God owns you. God owns you. You are his. He created and formed you ownership. He also redeemed you. That redemption piece, he redeemed you. He's made you free. And then he summoned you, which is relationship. Ownership, redemption, relationship. Those are the three cornerstones of the gospel. That's the gospel. We are owned by God, the creator of all things. He, is, he has created you. He's created me. He's formed us into who we are. And then what entered in that, that, that broke that? Sin. Sin entered in and then caused us to be separated from God's ideal. And then when we were incapable of, of writing that, God had to come to us and redeemed us, provided the way for us to have life and life everlasting, which is the relationship. That's the gospel. He created and formed you. He owns you. He's redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ, and he summons you into his presence. And that relationship, is, it's, that's not just a casual relationship, that's an intimate relationship. Because what does he summon you? He summons you by name. I, I love this scene that we just saw because I, I think that it is a wonderful depiction of the old life versus the new. I think it's very um, imaginative, creative that the, that the creators of this uh, series decided to give Mary a different name because I think that it represents this relationship with the old life and the new. 
When, when Mary had that as her name, when she was with her father and things were the way that they should be, that was, that was to represent God's ideal. And then life, sin, the world happens, and we become separated from that ideal, and we enter into this old life where we, we don't do what we want to do, as Paul says. And then when Jesus reveals himself, and as I mentioned, that's the first time that he enters into the show is in that scene. When Jesus enters in, he then calls her by her name, Mary. And then she says, I, he says, I have summoned you. You are mine. The gospel of Jesus is beautifully depicted in this scene. The ownership that we talked about, where he calls her by name, Mary Magdalene. The redemption that we talked about, where he says, he quotes Isaiah 43, 1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. In that relationship where he says, I have summoned you by name, all summed up in this powerful statement, you are This scene sets up one of the most important truths of the gospel. The most important truth of the gospel is that Jesus is God. If Jesus isn't God, then all this stuff is in vain. Then it's just stuff that we can make movies about and write stories about, but it really means, it means nothing in, in eternal consequences. Because then Jesus is just a good guy who died for a good cause. But only Jesus could say these words. You are mine because he is God. Emmanuel, God with us. Providing the way for us to have life and life everlasting. Jesus is God, and it is only God who can claim ownership. It is only God who can enact redemption. It is only God who can offer relationship, and Jesus does all three. And once we embrace God's ownership in our lives, once we embrace the redemption that's afforded to us, once we believe and once we embrace and enter into God's relationship, we walk with one who will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. And I love the the following two verses that we see in Isaiah 43. You read them with me. They're on the screen. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, the Lord says, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. And keep that passage on the screen. Look at this. I want you to notice some truths here in this passage. Does it say, if you go through deep waters? Nope. 
It'd be nice if it did. It says when you go through deep waters. Does it say if you go through rivers of difficulty? It says when you go through rivers of difficulty. It doesn't say if you walk through the fire of oppression. It says when you walk through the fire of oppression. Paul references this in 2 Corinthians where he says, you may be perplexed, but not crushed. We are his, and he is ours. He is the Lord, our God. And when we walk with him, when we experience the, the ownership, when we embrace the ownership, the fact that he created us, the fact that he's formed us, when we embrace the redemption that has come to us, that's afforded to us through Jesus Christ, when we embrace the relationship that he desires to have with us as he summons us by name, that does not mean that we are immune to deep waters or difficulty or oppression. But it does mean that he'll be with us. It does mean that we won't drown and we won't be burned up. We will not be consumed. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself created and formed you. He has redeemed you and he summons you by name. And he proclaims to you and to me, you are mine. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. And how it is that you use other things and other people in our lives to inspire us to find and to follow you in ways that maybe we hadn't before. Lord, I, I know that you're using this series, The Chosen, in, in, in amazing ways, that it, it is causing people to, to not only find, but then to follow you. And Lord, I pray for this church, Lord, for us in this journey, that it would serve as a springboard, a foundation for us to go into your word and to discover the truth the truth of your ownership in our lives, that we are yours. Or the truth of the redemption that you provided through your son Jesus Christ, Lord, that we are yours. And the truth of the, the relationship that you desire to have with us is you summon us by name, for we are yours. And I pray, Father, that in the midst of a world that wants so desperately to distract us from the truth of who you are, I pray that we would never, ever forget the fact that we are yours. I pray this in your name. Amen. 
Thank you so much for being here with us here today. Just a reminder, I'm going to be out in the commons with Pastor Don for a pizza with staff. Please join us for that if you haven't yet before. Otherwise, hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.